The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So good morning. It's nice to be here with, with all of you. Sit quietly together. <clears throat> so I, I'd like to um, explore together this, this morning um, an aspect of the Buddha's teachings that uh, sometimes doesn't get emphasized uh, so much, um, but which uh, is pretty central and uh, I, I find very helpful and um, important for the path. Uh, and we started with that, for those of you who are here for the beginning of the sitting, um, which is uh, a particular quality in the heart. And um, one of the things that I uh, appreciate so much about the teachings is that uh, the path consists of more than just meditation, right? It's, it's a complete path in the sense that it, it can encompass our whole life. And uh, it begins right where we are, wherever we are, uh, with a very ordinary experience in our lives. And it leads step by step more and more deeply into the nature of our life and our experience, revealing the deepest uh, um, realities of wakefulness and freedom. So in this way, it's, it's also a gradual path. And uh, the analogy is used in the texts of uh, just as the ocean floor slopes gradually from the shore to the depths of the sea. So, so the teachings in the path proceed gradually to deeper and deeper waters. And this, this progression of the path and the teachings um, is characterized by a particular quality, or we could say a certain thread that runs through it completely. From the very beginning, through the middle, and all the way to the end, to the consummation and completion of the journey. This thread's talked about in, in different ways in the, in the texts. From, uh, from one perspective, uh, the, from sort of the, the point of view of the end of the path, uh, it's characterized by what's called vimutti rasa. And rasa means taste or flavor. And vimutti is freedom or liberation. So uh, it says, uh, O oh monks, just as the ocean has but one flavor, one taste, the flavor of salt, so too this teaching has but one taste, the taste of freedom. From the perspective of uh, our step-by-step practice of the path, uh, that quality is uh, referred to by a word called kalyana. So 
every morning in some of the monastic traditions, uh, we chant uh, that the Buddha teaches the path, which is Adi Kalyanang, Maje Kalyanang, Pariyosana Kalyanang, which means it's Kalyana in the beginning, it's Kalyana in the middle, and it's Kalyana in the end. So some of you probably recognize or know this word. It's the same word that we find in Kalyana Mitta, right? Which is often translated as spiritual friends, good friends, wise friends. Um, and uh, again, we're dealing with translation here. Um, one of my teachers likes to say we're, we're dealing with two levels of translation. The Buddha was translating experience into language, Right? So that's the first level. And then we're translating the Pali language into English. So we're, we're sort of dealing with two layers here. So, um, so some, of the, some of the facets of this word, kalyana, that, that characterizes the quality or the flavor of the teachings um, are good or goodness. That's one of the translations. The good. Um, the beautiful, that which is beautiful, uplifting, nourishing, steadying, supportive, lovely. Okay, so the beautiful, the nourishing, the lovely. There's a, there's a sutta that's devoted to this particular quality. I think it's in the Samyutta where um, the Buddha's attendant, Ananda, before he's enlightened, is feeling very, very inspired, and he comes to the Buddha and he says, uh, Oh, blessed one, it's wonderful, it's marvelous. It's, it seems that Kalyanamita, uh, uplifting, good, lovely friends, companions, are half of this path, half of this holy life. And the Buddha chides him and says, Do not say so, Ananda. Do not say so. Kalyanamitta is the whole of the holy life. Right? Some of us have heard this teaching before. So we can, we can understand that it's beautiful teaching. We can understand it in many ways. Um, in this particular context, what I'd like to emphasize or suggest is um, the Buddha was uh, possibly... Doing, making a play on words here, because apparently in other places in the texts, he actually chided Ananda for his sort of reliance on the company of others and companionship and was sort of encouraging him to spend more time practicing and doing his own formal meditation practice. So it seems unlikely that he was saying to Ananda, yeah, great, just go hang out with folks. Uh, but more that he was saying that this whole path is about companionship with that which is kalyana. Association, connection, friendship with the quality of kalyana in the beginning, the middle, and the end. So the question I'd really like to ask today and to explore together is, are we, are we giving adequate attention to this quality as a foundation for the path in our meditation practice and in our daily living, our living of the path? Are, are we attending to it? Are we touching it? Are we cultivating it? Are, are we allowing ourselves to receive it, to remember it, and to allow it to guide us? 
And if not, how do we do that? How do we find it? What is it? Where is it? How do we, how do we experience it? How do we access it? Another one of the gifts of the teachings that um, I find so comforting and uh, uplifting is their breadth. So here in, uh, in the West, the way the transmission of the Buddhist teachings over the last hundred years or so has uh, transpired, um, we've, we've ended up with um, a sort of a focus and emphasis on the meditative aspect, on the formal training and meditation, right? Which is, uh, in many regards, uh, sort of the jewel or the pinnacle of the teachings, right? Um, but uh, you, you, you can't build a house with only a roof, you need the foundation. You need a really solid foundation. Or if you're trying to grow a plant, you need really good soil. You need to take care of and tend that soil. Um, and so the, uh, the breadth and the uh, diversity of the teachings that the Buddha offered allow us to, 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 to find our own way to cultivate and support that foundation. So um, just in reflecting on this and thinking how I wanted to, to speak about it, um, I kind of grouped some of the ways that we can find this quality and cultivate it into three uh, categories just for the sake of uh, simplicity and remembering. And, and the first is action. The second is connection. And the third is reflection or appreciation. So I'll talk a little bit about each of those. Um, so in terms of action, we find this quality um, in wholesome action. The other way, another way, this another aspect of this quality is kusala, which means skillful or wholesome, and also means good or beautiful or uplifting. So. Um, all of the teachings on dana, on generosity, on uh, uh, allowing ourselves to recognize and experience what it feels like to give from the heart of our time, of our energy, of our presence, of our service. So the teachings, which is, as many of us know, right, that's the beginning of the path. Before the Buddha even taught the Four Noble Truths or meditation, he said, pay attention to how it feels when you share. Notice what that's like. And really take that in and reflect on that. Is this a good thing? Do I, do I want to do this more? Right? And we can see in there just the, the beginning of the thread to release, right? Because to give, what do we have to do? to let go, right? We have to open our hand. The taste of release, it has that flavor to give. And so the Buddha said, start there because the Dhamma is sanditiko, a 
apparent here and now. It's already here. We don't have to create it. So he's so in his in his infinite wisdom and skillfulness, he said, check this out. Look look there, because it's already here. And that's that's where you can find the thread and start to follow it. Notice what it feels like to do that. It's uplifting, it's joyful, it's nourishing, it's sustaining, it's steadying, kalyana. Associate with that, find that, touch it. From there, the teachings proceed through uh, looking at our actions in the world, our conduct, and this is the whole realm of uh, virtue, of sila, of how we live, what we do, what we say, how we relate to others, to ourselves, to the objects and the um, systems around us. And again, the, uh, the result is uplifting, right? We find, we find, the, we find the, the flavor of goodness in wholesome action. So what does it feel like to cause harm? And what does it feel like to relinquish that? That's the essence of sila, to not cause harm. And the, the litmus test is, is how does it feel? How does this feel? Does this, you know, we, we, because the mind is slippery, right? We can rationalize anything. But the heart and the body... Uh, give us direct information. So it's like, how does this feel? Eh, it feels a little bit contracted, a little manipulative, a little bit shady. It has that kind of, you know, maybe this isn't so upright. And the good, it has that quality of, of um, clarity, of alignment. You know, nothing to hide. And what do we need to do to not cause harm? have to do this. We have to, we have to relinquish the impulses in the other direction, the, the habits and the forces that drive us to do things based on self-centeredness, based on our desires, based on the way we would like things to be or think they should be, right? So again, there's that flavor of relinquishment and the sense of uplift, of steadiness, of alignment, And then I'll just sort of name a couple of the other aspects of, of, uh, of action. Um, simplicity. Simplicity. Contentment. Right? Appreciating the way things are without needing more than we really, without wanting more than we need. Yeah? It's a kind of action that has this quality to it. Kindness. Warmth. The Brahma Viharas. All of these are action. Physical action and then moving into mental action. The skillfulness, the uplifting quality of when we bring forth wholesome, wholesome intentions, wholesome actions in the mind. And as you're listening to this, notice if there's sort of um, a story that's starting to run that says, 
uh, oh man, now I need to do that. I'm not good enough there, <laughs> right? No, 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 no. It's like, it's like there's a buffet. And just look and see what appeals to you. Where, where does something touch where you can find what's already here and just pick up that thread? Okay? Connection. We experience this quality um, of kalyana through our friendships, through association with the wise, association with the good. There's huge emphasis on the teachings and who we spend time with because it has such a deep impact on our own psyche and our actions. One of the one of those very beautiful passages that I came across in, in my um, reading of the, of the suttas, um, after the Buddha was enlightened, before he started teaching, um, he was reflecting, and he says, uh, you know, I don't have any teachers anymore, right? What I've, what I've realized has come from my own understanding and efforts. I don't have any teacher to revere, to honor. And then he says, he dwells miserably who has nothing to revere, who has nothing to honor. Just take that in for a moment. One who has nothing to revere, nothing to honor, dwells miserably. Right? So this is, again, this is about connection. This is about a certain uh, capacity of, of what it means to be human that's fundamental, that, that you know, there's an aspect of us, from, from my own experience, that, that withers if we don't have a connection with uh, something that we can hold in high regard or esteem, right? That we can feel a sense of reverence, honoring, devotion to. This is one of the blessings of the teachings, honoring that which is worthy of honor. So, and then he says, um, perhaps I will dwell devoted to this Dhamma revering this Dhamma, revering this, this teaching and this truth, this reality that I have discovered. Right? So the connection is with those we share company with. Our connection with, um, could be our connection with devotion, reverence, honor. And it's also our connection with the teachings, having spaces like this where we can come in contact with the teachings of the Buddha where we can practice them. Again, it has this quality. So just right now as we're sitting together, you know, notice if there's anything I've said that touches that quality in you, where you feel that sense of inspiration, aspiration, uplift, steadiness, alignment, nourishment, right? That's the flavor that we want to recognize and begin to attune to so that we can follow that in our actions, in our relationships, and this third category in our reflection, in our appreciation. And this is moving into the, moving into the domain of mental action, the action of the heart of wholesome intention. 
And again, there's, there's, a, there's a, a, a wide range of, the, of teachings in this regard. So I'm just going to touch on a few of them um, as a way of just sort of pointing to or indicating, you know, see if one of these calls out to you that you want to pick up and follow. We started our sitting today with a very brief reflection on appreciation. Noticing what's already here and contacting a sense of gratitude for that. Having the basic requisites of life, food, clothing, medicine, shelter. Right? This is a foundation. Every day we can reflect when those are present. You know, wow, I had enough to eat today. I had a place to sleep tonight. You know, I've got clothes to wear that protect my body from the elements that are clean and presentable. You know, when I'm sick, I have access to medicine. Enough access, if you do. Right? And then from there, so many other things we can appreciate. That we can... And again, it's not about not being good enough. It's about finding that quality. That quality of uplift. Saying, oh yeah, this is good. Another aspect of appreciation that's often more difficult for many of us is um, appreciating our own goodness. And there's huge emphasis on this in the teachings. This is about right effort. Half of the teachings on right effort are about um, the, the good. Appreciating and supporting the good that's already present in us and actively cultivating the good that um, we've yet to manifest, right? So, so just, just you know, this is this is a very powerful area to reflect on. It's just say, you know, like at the end of the day, you know, at the beginning of the day, you set an intention. What's my intention for today? To not cause harm, to be patient, to take, you know, to take care with my words or actions. And at the end of the day, you know, where where was the good? Where was the beautiful today? And it's there every single day. A genuine, you say hello to the clerk at the grocery store and genuinely smile. You didn't have to do that, right? It's, it doesn't need to be grand. Just find that quality and touch it. Another significant aspect of this range of teachings on appreciation and reflection are beginning to recognize and appreciate the fruits of our practice. So, um, wherever we are on the path, there are fruits. If you look back, however long you've been practicing, whether it's a day, a week, a year, ten years, just look back and see, you know, am I a little bit more patient than I was? Am I just a little bit more tolerant or present? Or what are the, what are the actions that I used to do that I don't do anymore? What is the harm that I caused to myself or others that I'm not causing now? There's deep goodness in that. And to really appreciate that. We're, we're always we're looking for something 
sparkling and you know amazing and we we miss we miss the the distance we've already traveled say wow look at the transformation there and then to really take that in to appreciate that and it's not it's not so one of the one of the the other side of this teaching of good in the middle the beginning and the end it's not that the path is this sort of song and dance, right, the whole time. It's not that there, there isn't struggle and, and uh, difficulty along the way. But it's that, that uh, those challenges can be held within a frame of goodness and of, uh, of uplift, because we recognize that we're on the path. We recognize that this is the suffering that leads to the end of suffering. It's not in vain, the struggle that we're going through. And this is, this is, this is, this is tricky, and it's, um, it's really helpful when, when, we, when we remember this, that um, as long as... As long as we're practicing, as long as there's mindfulness, there's awareness, as long as there's right view, that we're, we're seeing things not through the lens of self, but through the lens of, of nature, of cause and effect. Um, and as long as we're, we're coming from, the, from a wholesome place, um, that whatever the content of the experience is, we can delight in the fact that we're, we're on the path. I'll just read a, a quote here. and um, This is from Sayada Ujotika from a book called Snow and Summer. He says, uh, I don't want judgment. I want understanding. I'm not perfect, so I'm scared of those who are judgmental. I want to be left alone. I've done a lot of unwholesome things in my life but I don't blame myself or others. I am trying to practice Dhamma, and I'm happy about that. Kalyana, uplifting. See, see how clearly he's able to touch that quality? I'm trying to practice Dhamma, and I'm happy about that. It's like whatever's going on, I'm going in the right direction. And I and I'm and I'm I'm good with that. I'll take questions in just a minute. You need me to speak up. Is that what that was? The quality of serenity. Serenity. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Uh, so one of the things, one an, an analogy for this is like we can be walking down the path, and we go through a period where it's sunny and there are beautiful meadows and a stream and everything's great. And then things change, and it's swampy and dark, and there are mosquitoes, and it smells, and our feet are wet, and we're cold, and and you know, and we start to we start to despair. And God, you know, what had happened? Where did I go wrong? You know, I'm I'm not, you know, and the path's turning, and we feel like we're going in the wrong direction, um, and we can forget that as long as we're still walking, we're going in the right direction. Right, and that's you know ensuring that the factors of the eightfold path are present, that we have right view, that we're that we're being mindful, that we're coming from the the, the uh, appropriate intentions. 
So I, I really, I really invite and encourage you to um, to take time to reflect on how you experience this quality, how you find this uh, this particular tone in experience, this sense of uplift, of brightness, of inner alignment, of goodness, of ease, of beauty. And because the more we the more we pick that thread up, it's like a current that we can enter, and we can allow that to guide us more and more, more and more in our living, and more and more in our formal practice. And then the two begin to to merge and feed each other. So I'll, I'll stop here for the morning and have some discussion and questions. So uh, this, I like to hold this segment of any Dhamma exploration very, very openly. So, uh, you know, questions, sharing an experience, it's a, it's a sacred and safe space. Um, I want to say thank you very much. I, that really spoke to me very mm. deeply. Um, and I also want to say that with people, you mentioned that... Um, it helps you to hang out with the wise and the good. But what I've also experienced is that with most people, there is good in them and there is yes. something to appreciate. Yes, um, <laughs> Even obnoxious folks can it still, you know, there's still some goodness in their heart and there's yeah. something to really value in that. So. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. This is what I love about uh, Sangha is that um, there's wisdom in the, in the collective, so you know, if I leave something out or there's another angle, it's like we we fill that space in together. So thank you for bringing that. Yeah. I like the idea that you talked about of um, the buffet. Mm. And being attracted or being drawn to something and the thread that leads back to us, Mm. if I'm stating that the Mm -hmm. way you said. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very valuable to me because often I'm almost excited when I discover some negative trait that I've been avoiding or not acknowledging. Right. And I think it really makes sense to feel the draw of something that's already inside of me that's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. You know, that, as I know it, that's the real meaning of education. Mm. Mm. Right. Yeah. So. It reveals the teacher within. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, there's another beautiful sutta um, uh, called The Cook. Some of you may know where... Uh, the Buddha gives this analogy and says it's like a cook for a king. And one cook serves the king certain dishes and doesn't notice what the king eats and doesn't eat. And after a little while, that cook gets fired. (laughs) And then another cook comes and cooks for the king and serves and 
uh, pays very close attention to what the king eats and how much he eats. And every day he cooks more of the things that the king eats and doesn't serve again the things he doesn't eat, right? And so that's the connect, that's the analogy for our mind and the practice, that we have to pay attention to what, what is our mind like? Which aspect of the teachings and the practices work for us? And then to, and then to go there, rather than, rather than thinking, oh, I've got to do Anapanasati, and, and maybe it doesn't work for you. Maybe it's not the right practice for you right now. You know, but what is? And finding that. Yeah, I really appreciate your talk today. Um, I uh, had some trouble following it, not because of the talk, but because I had I didn't get enough sleep last night. Mm-hmm. I really had trouble sleeping. And uh, when you were talking about um, not, when you're not feeling so well, to, to know that, well, I'm on the path and look at all this progress I've made and, mm-hmm. um, and I'm only going in the right direction. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm really grateful that like right now, mm-hmm. at least sometimes I'm not feeling so great, but then mm-hmm. this past year and a half of coming here and, and, and following this path have really given me a lot of equanimity around that and knowing that, yeah, this is a temporary thing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Wonderful. You're welcome. Thanks for sharing that. It's a very tender place, you know, when we're suffering, to remember our connection with, uh, with that which is not suffering. Thank you. Um, I appreciated the distinction you made between the slipperiness of our mind mm-hmm. and the truth and wisdom of our body. Mm. And uh, that's what I needed to hear this morning. Thank you. Thank you. No, um, not in any hurry. Okay. Um, thank you for your talk. And I appreciated your um, perspective on that you could make friends with certain qualities. Yeah. I had not heard that before. Uh, that yeah. was helpful. Great. Thank you. Good, good. Yeah. Good morning. Thank you. Um, I appreciated how you spoke about... Um, giving things away or sharing as letting go. Mm. Um, I hadn't thought about that before, and it was a simple idea, but really profound to me. Mm. Um, Mm. um, 
and I, I tend to be generous by nature, but um, but hadn't thought about why it's such a good feeling with, with the principles of Buddhism. And um, I'm in a transitional period right now in my life, and I've been going through this period of intense, like needing to clean house ferociously and, and, and going through giving a lot of things away um, in this period of um, evaluating. Like, um, it's hard to give things away that... Mm-hmm. Um, have value, and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. do I really need this? But just really driven to give away, and um, and going back to simplicity. Um, and I was thinking about um, how good it does feel to do that, and then realizing um, just the idea of, of detachment and and how liberating and freeing it is. Mm-hmm. So when you said that today, it really resonated with me. Thank mm-hmm. you. You're welcome. A couple of things come to mind as I hear you say that, just to, to share, um, particularly around cleaning house and giving things away. I've uh, I've had a a journey with that <laughs> when um, <clears throat> when I was in my early twenties. Um, my parents divorced and sold the house that I grew up in, and sort of that whole process and. Um, we had a big garage sale, and I, um, I didn't give away, I sold, but, you know, let go of um, a lot of things. And um, I had been practicing already, so there was the view of simplicity and renunciation. Um, and, and yet the, the letting go was more of a pushing away. It was coming from... Well, my childhood's over, and this is all gone, so I should just get rid of this stuff. So there was actually a lot of pain behind it. And later there was a certain amount of remorse and sadness. At It wasn't that I actually needed the things anymore, but just there wasn't a clean parting and letting go. More recently, um, I spent some time at the monasteries, and then my stuff was in storage, and then I finally cleaned it out. <laughs> and so then I, and I went through a process of like, okay, giving stuff away, um, and, and actually giving away a lot of things with real sentimental value, you know? Um, but really recognizing like, I don't need this stuff, but it matters to me. And um, it was so beautiful, I really took my time with it. And when I decided, I said I would, I would wait until I knew who I wanted to give each thing to. And each thing had real value in it to me. And I would just wait until, and I said, someone's going to come to mind as the right person to give this to. And I'm, I'm house-sitting for some friends this summer, and um, in their living room window, they have this um, piece of stained glass that my grandmother made. And I get to see it every day because I gave it to them. You know, and it's this... So, yeah. Yeah. So I think we're about out of time. Um, It's lovely to be here with you. Thank you for for joining. Uh, As Martha mentioned... um, I left a couple of sign-up sheets. I have a, an email list, and I send out two, maybe three emails a year just with information about where I'm teaching and things I've written and stuff like that. So 
um, if you're interested in receiving those, you can print your name and your email address on one of those lists and just do me the kindness of um, taking your time to write your email address very clearly. Otherwise, you probably won't end up on the list. And enjoy your practice. Let it nourish you. Allow it to uplift you. So let's just sit quietly for a moment together. May the goodness and the wholesome, uplifting qualities that have brought each of us together here today deepen and grow within each of us And may they spread out far and wide to touch all of those around us in our life and beyond.